Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Let's talk about the orgasm gap. We all know it exists. Women take a little bit longer to come than guys. I don't know what guys do to hold out, but I know it's a problem, right, guys? So listen, I have a great solution for you, and it's my sponsor, Promescence Delay Spray. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking, like, I don't need delay spray. I don't have a problem keeping it up. But their delay spray is not just for guys with PE. It's for any guy who wants to last longer in bed without having to worry about lasting longer in bed. It's not going to totally numb you out, and it's not going to transfer to your partner. And for your partner, they have warming gel. I use it all the time. It's my personal fave. They also sell lube and condoms and sex toys. They have everything you need. And today you're going to get 15% off everything you need. All you got to do is go to delayspray.com slash strictly anon 15 and you're going to get 15% off everything you need. That's right. Order up because you're going to get 15% off your whole order. Just go to delayspray.com. Use my code strictly anon 15. That's delayspray.com. Use my code strictly anon 15 for 15% off your whole order. Order or just go in the description and click on the link. Thanks for messing for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your grief flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chain. Here is your host, Kathy. Hey, welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you want to follow the Strictly Anonymous podcast on Instagram or Twitter, follow me at Strict Anonymous. If you want to be on the show, this is a call-in show where I talk to people mostly about their secret naughty lives. I like to really peel back the layers and also help people with their problems. So if you have a problem and you want some unprofessional advice while remaining anonymous, because I change everybody's voices, send me an email. You could be on the show. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. 
if you don't think you got like a whole story to tell and you just want to get something off your back, you have a small, short confession that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous, call my confessionals, confessionals line, my hotline. I don't know what to call it yet. I still don't know what I'm going to do with those confessions, but I'm taking them now. Try to talk clearly. You got four minutes to talk. Leave your message. Call anytime. The number is 347-420-3579. That number is in the description. So don't worry if you're driving around. You could just get it from the description. Call in whenever. Today, I have on a girl named Annie. Annie Undone. I don't know. You know, I didn't ask her why she has Undone as her last name. Maybe that's her real last name. It's a weird last name, right? <laughs> but anyway, Annie is super interesting. Okay. She's poly. She's kink. She's queer. She's in a, she's been married since day one. It's like funny. And I said this on the episode, like on paper, you seem very quote unquote normal, right? She got married when she was very young. She's got a husband. They have a kid. They lived happily ever after. Yeah. In such an interesting, sexy way. Okay. They started to play around. They opened up the relationship. They've been poly. They do all kinds of kinky things. They're into DVPs and DPs and peggings and toys and BDSM. And she's just great at talking about her experiences, her hot experiences, her journey, you know, getting into polyamory. She doesn't paint a picture like everything's so perfect. She talks about the pitfalls and the problems and things that, you know, the issues that they've had. She talks about where they meet people what they do with those people. Like I said, they both now are still married and they have other relationships. She goes through all that. You get the full range picture about Annie Undone. Okay. And if you want to see pictures of Annie Undone, speaking of pictures, you could see them on my Patreon. She sent me some exclusive anonymous pics of her. So anyway, her name is Annie. She's super interesting. She's cool. You're going to love her. Okay. So I'm going to be right back on with Annie. This is the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Uh, hey, Annie, Annie Undone. Hi. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so listen, Annie, you, you know, I don't know that much about you. I, pre- I prefer actually like getting on the phone with a total stranger, not knowing hardly anything. What I do know about you, I didn't do a deep dive. You do do stuff like educational stuff, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're some sort of professional in this uh, kink, poly lifestyle or you're becoming one. Maybe that's not even right. I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I try not to do deep dives on people because I really want to just get all the information when I'm talking to them. But I do know that you're poly, you're into BDSM and a lot of different kinks in between you and your husband, like you decided to have an open marriage and now you do have an open marriage and you have like a lot of partners between you guys. Polyamory is always something that baffles my mind because I find it hard to have a relationship with one person, let alone many. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of people, say that. (laughs) Yeah, but what's interesting about what I like, because I talked to a girl named Mary Sparkletits and she was into all this kind of stuff and she had like all these crazy like all her other relationships besides her primary one and maybe even her primary one were all these kinds of like oh this person doesn't live here and this one I don't have sex with and I was like oh I had lots of relationships like that maybe I was poly too like if you consider that stuff it's not so much I don't know I have yet to have on like a 
poly person that's like really like they're all living in the same house, you know, like sister wives or something, right? I mean, I that would be like that would be like my dream. It um, would to live it to be living with everybody. Yes, like oh my I'm, goodness. So like, there's all different kinds of polyamorous people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like you could be parallel poly, which is where like they don't intersect with each other. I happen to be super kitchen table, which is just means like you want to be. You could reasonably have a dinner game night, uh, be around, but I'm also very oriented to group sex. So I, so yes, living all together and like basically like in a very free flowing sexual, uh, romantic and, uh, domestic state for me would be like top of my mind. ideal life. Oh, interesting. Now, okay, let's get you, cause you just said group sex, quote unquote, you know, until yes. all the guys ears perk up. So like, you know, how did you even get into that? You sound super young. I love your I'm generation. Not. You're not? You sound like you're <laughs> 36. I'm you 36. sound like you're 26. Thank you. Yeah. I sometimes <laughs> think like what I get from someone's voice is like their energy at like they're like, you know, their inside age, you know, I you, will tell you, yeah. I say all the time, yeah. like I'm, I'm 36 years old. Yeah. Um, I'm married. I have a child. I've been with my husband since I was 18 years old. But yeah. in my heart, I am motherfucking 24 years old. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm telling you, you sound it too. So I think that, but I think there's something to that because I really believe that's like, you know, I whatever. So we'll get past that. So at, how did you, all right, you're 36, 37. You've been married for so long. You seem to on paper live a very quote unquote normal life but yes, not so sort when of, did, sort of well just you know <laughs> married kid very young you know that kind of stuff you know when did you become so out of the box and start to do all these things like when did you realize you were into group sex was it something that you played around when you started with your relationship like let's get your whole story so I met my husband when I was 18 we kind of had we were a little bit whirlwind I guess in that um after three months, we were like, we're into this, let's move in together. And it was kind of impulsive, but we, we have this like very weird um, nature to our relationship where to some people we look extremely impulsive, but we're, we're really not. So we moved in together after three months, which is like, oh my God, why would you do that? But mm -hmm. we waited almost seven years to get married. Right. Um, and then we had a child at like 10 or 11 years. But somewhere in there, um, we used to go to a lot of like music festivals and concerts, and we were kind of living this sort of alternative lifestyle for a long time. And somewhere in there, we end up at this music festival in Jamaica, that happens to be at this hedonism resort, which is, I've, for those who don't know, it's like a nude resort. Um, What's and the name? So we're like, it's called Hedon. I think it was Hedonism Three, oh, which right, is right. In, hedonism in um, yeah. yeah. So like we're there with like all these other hippies. We're all like naked and we're like having a good time, you know. Um, and we come across the first time we've encountered this, these two people we meet, and they're like, "Yeah, we're swingers," and we're like, "Oh my god, what does that even mean?" <laughs> <laughs> were they much older than you or were they around your same no, age? No, same age. Okay, Same cool. age as us. Mm -hmm. um, same, like, a very, a very reflectionary uh, couple for us. Okay. And we're like, huh, that's really interesting. So we're, like, thinking about that and we're sort of talking about it in the background and we get back from this trip and we kind of have this very impulsive sort of drunken threesome um, with a woman who I'll call Ginger. Mm -hmm. And we kind of were like, huh, that was interesting. We did that. Okay. But we just kind of almost didn't even talk about it for like a year. 
Oh, interesting. Um, but it wasn't with the swingers. Nope. Nope. They just kind of put it into the, they put it into the ethos of our, of our awareness. Right. Right. And so, then the threesome, let me quick question about the threesome though. Like when you guys had that threesome, like, did you, was it cool for your guy to fuck her? Like, did you, was it a free throw? So he didn't. Okay. He, no, it wasn't. Okay. I was just like, Hey, um, can I just like, can I just be the center of this and you just don't fuck her? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Cause it was like also very drunk and impulsive. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that happened. We kind of like, we kind of talked about it here and there, but we kind of put that to bed for like a solid decade. Then a couple of years ago, just probably the summer before the pandemic, these friends of ours were like, Oh my God, we have to tell you guys we're like fucking other people and we're having the best time of our whole lives. <laughs> and this is a couple so you like, knew for a long time. Different couple. Yes. But I've known these people since high school. I'm like, huh? If they're doing that, could we do that? Yeah. And so, like, we kind of, for about a year, we were like, we couldn't. Could we? We couldn't. Could we? Could we? We couldn't. So, we're ha- that kind of conversation is going on in the background. Meanwhile, we're getting into BDSM, and I'm having this dominant, submissive relationship with my husband that's just really getting really hot. Like, we're getting into impact. We're getting into control. We're getting into cock worship. Like, all this stuff is happening. I don't understand any of it. I'm like, what the fuck is happening to me? I'm going crazy. <laughs> so I'm searching the internet. What is happening to me? Um, and, I, and I come across Reddit, and I find that I'm engaging in BDSM. And oh my god, who knew? Like, at the age of, like, 33, 34, that you could have this kind of dawning. Like, oh my god. So I start really getting into it. I start reading everything. I start doing all this stuff. So I end up writing this thing called the Brat Guide, um, which in BDSM, like there's all different kinds of personality types and submissives. And I was finding very quickly that I was very bratty in my submission style. And people were talking shit on brats. And I was like, you know, like I feel so misunderstood in this space. Like I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just trying to get attention. (laughs) Wait a second, but you're the sub and yeah. they're sort of coming out. Were they just like releasing their inner doms and doing that to you because that's a whole part of it? Or what do you mean? Like people so like, like, okay. Yeah. So like, so, so dominance, like don't always love to play with brats because brats can be a little bit like, um, so for example, I'll give you an example from last week. Um, my husband says to me, Hey, I want you to go put in your butt plug today. And so instead of being like, Oh yes, daddy, I'd love to do that for you. I was like, well, I was kind of thinking we could do that together. <laughs> oh, okay, right. So, like, instead of just, like, listening, there's, like, this whole other element of, like, power at play. Now, I thought that that could have been, like, just being, like, sweet and submissive, but everybody on my Instagram was like, nah, girl, you're a brat. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so – is that a thing within the BDSM community, like, brats? The like Yes. Okay. And, and bratting is, like, a whole art, and there's, oh. like, agreements like that needs to be made around that. So I wrote this guide on mm-hmm. it on Reddit and like people really liked it. And so one day um, I get a message on Reddit from just somebody that I don't know. And we strike up a, a very natural conversation around theories on bratting and dominance and submission. And then all of a sudden this motherfucker says to me, I don't know why, but I really want to call you mommy. And I was like, come again. <laughs> so right. I, go, I go in the kitchen I say to my husband like hey like this fucking guy on the internet just said this crazy thing to me I I don't know what's going on but this has really piqued my curiosity 
So my husband says, show me his picture. Right. <laughs> and I do. And he was like, oh, my God, I would totally let you fuck this guy. And I'm like, huh? So I end up having an online dynamic with this man who, whose but name is Philip. You had never <laughs> known, like, did you and your husband, because you seem to, you guys seem to like roll things off of each other, kind of, right? Because you're saying like when your friends brought up that they were swingers and you guys were like, hmm, can we do this? Can we not? So you guys were kind of talking about, were you ever like role playing any of that kind of stuff with each other? Even when you were like, because you got into BDSM was, did you know that he was kind of curious or down or, you know, turned on I by knew- you with a guy? I think we both knew that we were curious about it. I right. think that we were, so for me, like the, the holdover on it was if I, first of all, am I capable of having casual sex with other people? And like, how does that play into my current relationship? But the other thing behind that was I started to suspect very, very quickly what if I fall in love with somebody and and is the nature of that love going to change the nature of my love for my husband? And what happens if the risk is too great? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of my holdover on it. But I think at the point when this guy was like, I want to call you mommy. And I think you have a dominant side. My curiosity got the best of me. Mm -hmm. And, and he was like, go for it, do this thing. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to do a thing. Right. (laughs) So that was kind of what opened the door um, in a more concrete way. So I, I engaged in this online dynamic with Philip and he taught me to dom and I taught him to sub. And it was a very flash in the pan kind of relationship. Um, but it was hot <laughs> and I was hooked. In a sense that, but it was always online. Like, I mean, were you camming with online. each other? Uh-huh. Yeah, well, at the time, um, my husband, Paul, and I had some rules. And one of those was don't do anything on camera because, yeah, you know, pics and stuff. what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that was like part of it. And, and that kind of, you know, that kind of was a thing. And then from there, I was, you know, when Philip was like, basically, his whole thing was like, you're falling for me, you're getting these emotional feelings for me. And he basically just fucking ghosted me. And I was like, low key falling in love with him. And I was devastated. And that was when I started to suspect that I was not just um, non monogamous, but polyamorous. Um, So the next dynamic that I got into with my partner, Sam, who I'm still currently with, is also an online dynamic, mostly because of the pandemic and he lives in Europe. But that BDSM dynamic, which I am dominant in, um, he's asexual and I am not. um, But that dynamic was founded on emotional closeness, mutual care and love, not um, sex, obviously, sexuality, Mm -hmm. not sexuality, but also like that was it. And that was the first time that I fell in love in the non-monogamous space, which was kind of a game changer. Now, were you and your guy talking this through at all times? Because I would suspect, because you did say, you know, you were afraid to fall for somebody else. Like how, you know, you were worried, like, what is this going to do to my primary relationship, your relationship with your husband? Were you able to keep that in check? And was he cool with that? Or were there kinds of like, you know, insecurities that came up? Because I would assume that's a little scary. Because like, what is that going to look like once you're now in love with two people? I have to say, like, 
the entire experience is low key terrifying right <laughs> for everybody <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you're not afraid like what are you even doing yeah um, yeah right so, that's smart that's like, yeah, very honest like, we talk a lot we're extremely communicative like sometimes we have to be careful that we're not just talking too much um mm-hmm. to be honest because mm-hmm. you know fear like fear has a place in the car as elizabeth gilbert says but it doesn't get to drive but it's very easy to be like here um you know what i'm just too scared fear can you just take the wheel and we'll just go down this rabbit hole together like <laughs> right. that's a very real impulse um and like paul and i talk a lot and and we have always had a focus on like growing and and protecting like our relationship in this space um but he had a terrible time with my relationship to Sam. Like it was a, it was a very arresting transition. Um, and I felt like we could do it. Um, but I mean, I think the bottom line in this is that like, whenever you add a relationship in polyamory, um, it doesn't matter if you've done it a hundred times or two times, it brings an energy shift that you have to be extremely mindful of. And it can be very disruptive. Oh, that's interesting. I like that you said that because I think that that's very real life and maybe some people would forget about that, not even that it doesn't exist, you know, but some people might not bring that in because sometimes people like to, you know, paint a story that everything is great and people just think, oh, you know, I can get into this and do it like this person and it just, there's, you know, but it seems that you are mindful of all these little things and remember them and bring them up and I think that, that, like I said, it's important for people to know that this is how it can be in real time, you know, and it, it's well, not it's, the movies. It just doesn't happen and everyone's fucking happy. <laughs> yeah. We want to romanticize. Like, yeah, we, it, it's interesting because I think it, in any community that's like a little bit um, falls outside of like the normal heteronormative, like mm-hmm. narrative, we want to like romanticize it so that we don't seem like innately flawed or human, just like everyone else. But yeah. like how many fucking monogamous relationships are in the shit and not talking about it? Like, come the fuck on. It's not, it's not easier because you're monogamous. It's not easier because you're polyamorous. We all deal with the same fucked up bullshit. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. In my opinion, anyway. Yeah, no, totally. But I, I think it's important not to. I mean, I'm a realist, so I like to, you know, I'm always, it, you know, I like to point out these little things only because so that when people get into it, if that happens to them, they don't just like fucking quit. Like here you yeah. are, a couple who did have those things and you have been, you've come to points where it was terrifying and it, it changes things harsh and, you know, but how did you make it through that? Because you're still doing it and you're still down for it, you know? And that's what's most important, too, to hear, too. Part of that is being very realistic. I yeah. mean, this is the one thing I say to couples that they never want to hear. Yeah. Um, is that if you are a previously monogamous couple opening your relationship into non-monogamy, the likelihood that you will lose that relationship as a result of opening is very high. Right. The success rate is not high. Right. So you have to be realistic and mindful about that. And that is why my like my rock bottom advice in this is you go as fast as your slowest member. Right. Um, you have to be careful about that, but at the same time, like it's a process. And that's why in polyamory, we say like, we're not like, we're not just doing polyamory. Like we're practicing because we fail a lot. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now I do know because I, you know, you sent this to me ahead of time, a little bit of the story that your guy also has a relationship now as well. Now, yeah, you and but let's just do a little bit of the, you know, how he had the problem with Sam. Like, how did he work through that? And how did you guys get past that? And then how did he come to have his girlfriend that he has on the side? So it was quite of a, um, it was quite an evolution to get there. So like we started with the online dynamics and like Sam and I are in this emotional thing and that's gone on now, let's say like four months Mm -hmm. and now it's June. So I met him in March and now it's June. And I I just, at one point I turned to my husband and I said, listen, it's time we're getting on the apps. We got to bring this into We got to bring this into the physical world. Like this isn't sustainable. And like, you're not meeting anybody and like, let's do something about this. Yeah. So we get on the apps, we get on, we get on field, we start exploring right out of the gate. We meet this couple, um, Scott and Joanna, and we're like, okay, I think this can be a thing. So we do a zoom with them. We do a dinner with them. We start talking and we're like, okay, we're going to do this thing. And basically with them, we entered, I would say something somewhere in between the realm of swinging and um, polyamory, which was just like a BDSM play partnership that we had with them um, where we kind we were all very kink aligned. So we started out um, with a, like what you would call in swinging, like a soft swap, which was like the agreement to do everything except penetrative sex. Um, so we started with an impact scene, the four of us, What's Joanna's by, uh, so like, you know, spanking, um, oh, okay. and these are people who like came correct with like so many toys and like, Oh my God. Hilarious. Yeah. What like in a luggage Just, or something like a backpack full of shit. <laughs> These motherfuckers would roll up with a <laughs> trunk, like a magic oh my trunk, God. <laughs> a, a huge trunk of toys. They had oh my God, so hilarious. many toys. It was, it was Candyland. It was just, they had, um, oh, so. But no, like, tell me what so was in the trunk. I'm going to tell you what was in the trunk. Yeah. It was like so many impact toys from silicone paddles to wooden paddles to Vloggers, oh, they had such a nice vlogger. We have some good um, riding crops that we would throw in. They had a number of dildos, butt plugs, pegging setups. Um, that tape that is like bondage tape with like all the scissors. I mean, it was just the collection was so extensive. It just every time we we're like, well, what do we want to play with? Cock rings, like right. you name it, they had it. Like they wow. had it all. Um, do you want to have an explosive orgasm? like the best orgasm you've ever had. Well, then you need to get yourself a crescendo vibrator. Whether you're playing alone or playing with your partner, I promise you it's going to get the job done. Trust me, I use it and I am totally obsessed with it. With the crescendo, you buy one vibrator and you end up with infinite options because it is fully bendable. You can bend it in all kinds of various shapes and you can customize the vibration patterns because it has six motors and they're divvied out through the whole vibrator so there are no dead zones like other vibrators. There's a reason why the Crescendo has won over 20 international awards and that's because it's one of a kind. You want to transform your sex life with the one toy you won't get bored of, then get yourself a crescendo. And right now you can take advantage of their Valentine's Day sale and get up to 30% off 
and take an additional 15% off by using my code. All you got to do is go to mysteryvibe.com and use my code strictly15. That's mysteryvibe.com. Use my code strictly15. Thanks, Mystery Vibe, for sponsoring this episode. It was really interesting. So we were very kink aligned with them and we were just we would go at it for hours with these people. Like we were hot for each other. We were into it. Um, and that first one was really memorable because I remember, you know, we did this impact scene um, and it was in a, it was a rather long impact scene. We all took turns, like kind of spanking each other, warming each other up, getting to that, getting to that nice headspace. Um, and then I remember coming to the point where I was like, Oh my God, I'm about to see, a sex act between my husband and someone else and what's going to happen when I see this Yeah, and watching him and Joanna and it gets down to it. And she's like, sucking his dick. And I thought, hmm, okay, well, I feel pretty neutral about that. <laughs> okay. Not turned on, um, but not freaked out either. Yeah, no, not uh-huh. freaked out. Yeah. And we had a really lovely relationship with them. Very lovely relationship. Um, we got into a lot of, you know, power dynamic stuff. One of my most memorable times with them that I, that always just sticks out for me um, was one night we like all went to bed and it's two in the morning and <clears throat> I, I, we couldn't sleep obviously so we called them back into the bedroom and at some point it kind of you know we were all playing and stuff was going on and then at some point um Joanna starts like playing with my nipples and my husband starts directing her to like pinch me harder um and then he starts fucking me and then she brings me to like the top of my pain threshold with like the nipple stuff. And then right as I'm getting ready to like, be like, I have to tap out cause it's too much. My husband like gives me a nice slap in the face and then oh <laughs> he's fucking me. And then, um, Scott's at the end of the bed, kind of like rubbing my feet and telling me what a great job I'm doing. And then the whole thing just starts all over again. And that was just such a memorable and interesting BDSM scene. It just always sticks out to me. Um, our play partnership with them ended because Joanna felt, Joanna had some very specific feelings on how things were going with Scott and me. And the fact that he seemed to look at me in a certain way, um, she got jealous, I guess is the uh, best way to say it. And mm-hmm. and none of us were equipped really to handle what was happening right. from a feelings perspective. Yeah. Um, so we kind of just naturally took a break um, on that. Mm-hmm. And at that time, we also had another relationship with a woman we also met on the app named M. And she... Um, we were kind of functioning in a triad and kind of doing the, the group sex thing. Um, but that kind of had a life and that kind of dissolved. Um, and then we had this really just fucking amazing threesome with this woman, Sophie, who I just knew from life and was like, Hey, do you want to fuck me and my husband? And she was like, girl, I've been waiting for you to ask. Oh my God. Hilarious. <laughs> I mean, did she kind of know what you were into that she was like, oh, yeah. Or did you also know that she would be down for it? I mean, she was just a regular friend or was she kind of in the lifestyle? 
no, she was just a regular friend. And I just had this intuition. And I right. was like, Sophie, I was like, are you flirting with me? She's like, girl, I've been flirting with you. And I was like, I just got, <laughs> I was like, I live my life to fuck you, please. Like, yeah. um, and so we like negotiated this very hot scene with her and it only happened the once, but like she and I played these naughty schoolgirls that get caught drinking on school property. Mm-hmm. And my husband was the principal and he caught us, called us into the office, spanked us, taught us a lesson in sucking dick. And then we all went to the bedroom and had this amazing sex. Then we had dinner. And then this is where it got really interesting. Mm -hmm. We had dinner and she's like, can I try on your strap on? And I was like, of course you can try on my strap on. I would love for you to try on my strap on. Next thing I know, I'm riding the strap on. My husband's fucking me in the ass. And I'm like, this is the moment of my whole life. (laughs) Oh, so it's like DP. And you got her yes. and you got him. Because I was wondering who's using the strap on. I thought you were going to say she's going to like peg your guy. But it's it. That's what goes down. That's interesting. I mean, there's you, there's so many things you can do yeah, with a course. strap on. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, I've sure. done DVP with um, a strap on and my husband and another woman. Wait, wait. What's so. DVP? Uh, double vaginal penetration. Okay. So wait. So let me get a visual on that. So it's it's. Your husband, so, the strap. Oh, okay. So both of them are fucking you at the same time. Your husband and the girl. No, with the no. Strap on. I no. was where I was wearing the strap on. Okay. So my husband and I were fucking this woman simultaneously. With- oh, oh, okay. And she's got, she got the DVP. She has both yeah. of you inside her at the same time. Correct. Oh my goodness. It was really something. <laughs> yeah. Where does that happen chronologically? Is it with, it wasn't with Sophie with with someone else. No, no. This was with someone that we were in a longer term relationship with um, that. So, so let me say this happened. So this happens like we had the first year was kind of like the year of group sex, but yeah. not necessarily relationships. Um, and then we kind of moved through that. And then last January, we entered a quad relationship um, with Tyler and Josie, which became, which which kind of, I guess, characteristically changed the nature of how we were doing things. Mm -hmm. Um, They ended up being my boyfriend and girlfriend. My husband was much more standoffish to defining relationships. Um, And he's very sexual. My husband identifies as a mega sexual What's that? So, I've never heard that one before. No? Okay. So um, a megasexual is basically someone who's very, very sexual. And he need, he cannot engage in relationship without um, sexual connection. Yeah. He will always have to basically fuck people before he can decide how he feels about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas with me, I'm, I would say that I probably have some demisexual tendencies. I really tend to need some kind of connection to somebody in order to have sex with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about this one failed swap we had with the chef and his girlfriend where it was basically just a straight swinger swap. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so not for me. I just feel dirty and a little used. I mean, the sex was good. Right. right, right. <laughs> I got the, it. Yeah. yeah this but... is the dichotomy, but I was like, but they left right afterward and didn't even want to hang out with me. Like I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, but for my husband, he was like, that's great. I could do that all day. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. So we have some, we have some differences like in the way that we, um, that we function. Um, and so for him, um, I think he's very comfortable having sex, um, without relationships. For me, I think sometimes 
even if I don't like somebody that much, if I have sex with them, I'm like, do I like them though? <laughs> right, right. It makes you think maybe, or you gets you. It makes you feel a little bit more attached to them. Yeah, uh-huh. but also the other thing is, I am the most likely to be the most slutty mm-hmm. when I'm emotionally attached to people. Like I'll do fucking crazy shit. Right, like once you're <laughs> in, you're down for anything. Yeah, I'm like, what do you want to do? Just tell me, I'll do it. Right, DVP, <laughs> so, DP. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and I love all of those things. Mm-hmm. Like. I'm, I'm super queer by like by orientation. So like, I want to have all kinds of queer sex. I want to engage in, in all types of group things. I just want to have some sort of relationship to the people that I'm doing it with. Right. And you've been meeting those people. I mean, you've been doing these things with this, right. This couple or it's a, what did you call it? A quad, the relationship? It's a quad. So two couples come together to form to form right. that quad. And, and let me allow, allow me to preface all of this by saying that I believe that triads and quads are the Olympics of the polyamorous world. They are not for the faint of heart. Um, there are like something like 16 relationships that exist in a quad setup of four people because right. every relationship needs to have its, its due. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's very complicated. And I don't, I, I don't even know if I prefer it to, to exist in the couple to couple realm because couples bring their own baggage to the table. However, all that aside, we engaged in this quad for uh, 10 months. Um, And coming out of that, we were kind of both left with this feeling of, I think it's time to date separately. Um, Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of where we are now. And that's kind of the evolution. So we went from from BDSM to online dynamics to play partnerships to polyamory. Um, And and now where we are is that we are engaging in relationships separately um, with the hope of like natural um, connections emerging from that. Like we would still very much love to date the same people, but it has to happen organically and naturally. Um, and group sex is going to have to be something that just emerges rather than like, I guess, a prescriptive nature of how we relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now your husband's girlfriend, does she live here or is she long distance as well? I mean, what are your relationships right now that you have? So the relationships right now, for me, um, I'm in a relationship with Sam, mm-hmm. who uh, lives in Europe, and I am also in a relationship with CJ, who is local to me, but is at college um, a state away. Okay. Um, so he's like, he's like here, but then not here, but he can come home every weekend because it's not that far. Um, Paul is in a relationship with Rosie, who lives about four hours away. Um, and he's also in a relationship with another woman, um, who's more local, but that's going a little more slowly. Um, but they've had a couple of dates and, mm-hmm. and they seem to be very well attached to one another at this point. Um, so we kind of each have a couple of relationships going on. Um, we have a trip planned to see Rosie in March. Um, me, CJ and Paul are going to see her. Um, and CJ and I are going to take a couple of nights in the Airbnb while he has a couple of nights with her. And we're going to, you know, come together and like do some group thing, group activities, like 
you know, drinking, Cards Against Humanity, dinner, stuff like that. Um, and then kind of split off uh, at night so that we have our individual time as well. Oh, okay. So, so you do play separately now. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we love to play together. It's mm-hmm. just something we really, really, really enjoy. Um, and I like to, I, I mean, I like to think we're pretty good at group sex. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something I just, I very much enjoy. But I think we're also learning to give each relationship like its own space and its own life before we incorporate that because we've also found that that can get very confusing. For example, um, Paul had a relationship for about six months over the summertime with somebody and when they were getting ready to engage sexually. And for whatever reason, like it's very interesting, my husband has this uncanny ability to find the queerest women who like very much are into him, but then also want to sleep with me, which is perfect. It's perfect, but it's also problematic. Oh, Um, how come? Because, well, I'll give you this example. Yeah. He's like getting hot and heavy with this woman and they've like done some sexual stuff and they're like, okay, we're going to sleep together. We've exchanged our tests. Let's do the thing. And then they were, we were all like, well, should we do, should you guys do the thing or should we all do the thing together? And we decided to all do the thing together. We were like, yeah, let's just have a threesome. This will be great. And the threesome was great. But for me, the sexual chemistry wasn't really there. And then for him, I think he realized that she wanted something emotional and he didn't, he wasn't emotionally minded toward her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know how he ultimately felt the sexual chemistry was going. It wasn't, it wasn't enough, I guess. And so I think for me, it was like, oh, no, we shouldn't have done the threesome because, like, if you would have just explored that on your own and come to the same conclusion, like, maybe the group sex was maybe more detrimental for this third person. You mean Um, you felt for her? You were feeling it was more like, how is she going to experience that? Now she's being kind of rejected from two people, not just one. Yeah. 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 So so sometimes that can be problematic. Yeah. Um, so we've also learned that he needs to sort his feelings and sexuality with people before I come roaring in and be like, ha, ha, ha. So. Right. Yeah, I was wondering if it was going to the place where, you know, maybe he feels like, not possessive, I don't know that, of course that's not the right word in this kind of situation, but that, you know, he's got this relationship and then if he brings them in and then that person's all of a sudden, like, you know, just giving you all the attention, maybe he feels a little left out and that's his person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That happens. That happens. And this is something we've encountered quite a lot over the course of this is he's like, is there anyone who's just into me? (laughs) That's what I mean. Um, Yeah. It's it's a very good. And I'm like, oh, like he's great. He's amazing. But I also told him, I was like, here's the thing. For women coming into this who are queer, who do love him, they're also like, well, I like this guy a lot, but I'm, oh, but I'm also really queer. And oh, oh, wait, your wife's also queer. Oh, this is so amazing. This mm-hmm. works out so well for me. So like, this happens on on both on both ends. I feel that it's very convenient. They feel that it's very convenient. But also in the triad setup, there's, you know, there's this um, 
expectation, I guess, that everybody's going to feel the same at the same time. Like, oh, we're also in love at yeah. the same time. But that's not how relationships work. Right. You're going to be more into one person than another. And those things are going to flip flop back and forth. And when that happens, sometimes it feels very evident and almost like a rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was something I was just like getting my mind blown around this morning as I was thinking about it. Um, because his gal Rosie, after we had this great FaceTime the other night, messages me and says, um, you should date me. And of course, Paul's reaction was, oh, no, it's happening again. Oh, I was, was going to say, <laughs> it, did it not happen before? Like, was Rosie the one that you he was maybe holding out that this wasn't going to happen with her? <laughs> it hadn't been brought I, up until recently. But- there's a paradox about this because he wants it to happen because I think the both of us are very much of this mind of, Oh, if this emerged naturally, like this would be the dream, like a triad or a quad that just kind of emerges. Like we talked about at the beginning that, that sort of feeling for me of like, Oh, I could live this way. Right. With like group sex. So, so there's this want, there's this want for that. But then on the other end, there's all these other complicated feelings. So what I had said to him this morning was, oh, my God, I I figured it out. Opening a relationship in the polyamorous space is opening a relationship in the polyamorous space. Full stop. So him and Rosie, they're not quite established yet. Yeah. So them opening their relationship to me is still a relationship opening and needs to be treated with the same respect and care as me opening my relationship with Paul. Yeah. You know, that had to be done with care, security, intention, all those things. So, so does theirs. Um, So if I come roaring in and I change their entire dynamic before they're fully established and secure with one another, Mm -hmm. that's going to be detrimental to all three of us. Right. But don't they, but is the onus more so on them to protect their relationship or is it also on you? Is it equally on everybody? And like, if you're cool in this world, like every, all the, every person in that triad needs to understand what's going on and be respectful and have boundaries and, you know, cause it's, you're feeling it out. You have like, you know, it's so I, I would, is it intuitive? Yeah. Is it something that's discussed? I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately they are responsible for their relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also his wife. So I have to be mindful of his emotional spaces too and yeah. really listen to what to what he's saying. Um, so I think it's a bit of both. It just really, you, you, you have to be really mindful in this space because we are interdependent and that can be really healthy if it's done autonomously, but you don't want to move into codependency, which is like, very detrimental in the polyamorous space. Well, it's detrimental in monogamy too. Let's yeah, be honest. Totally. Like, yeah, yeah. People are running around being like codependent and gross all the time. Yeah. And, like we, we think it's okay because we're monogamous and we say like, it's romantic. It's not, it's gross. Stop it. Yeah. But I would, I would think you'd find very few codependents in that world that at least the successful ones, I would think that doesn't come into play that much. Don't you think? I think it comes from a lot of family of origin dysfunction and we all do it in different ways. I mean, one of the reasons that my relationships with Tyler and Josie ultimately ended was because there was a lot of codependency there and we really couldn't overcome it in time to save the relationship. Right. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But with my relationship with CJ, we have been extremely intentional in the way that we have crafted this relationship. Mm -hmm. So 
we are intentionally not being codependent and not engaging in those um, aspects of relationships. And we're very cognizant of it. What I do so think is it cool. takes intention. Yeah, for sure. And I do what I do think is really cool about you guys is it, it sounds like that you really take the other person into consideration because I remember talking to somebody. It was the first time I heard about it. It was Lola Jean. Um, she's oh, like yeah. an expert. You know her? Yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah, and she was the first person that I had who really brought up, uh, you know, and and spoke to the unicorn and how she feels in a threesome or a tryout or whatever. You know, that girl that, you know, you guys yeah. are a couple, but you bring this third person in. If they don't have another partner and they're alone, you know, and how she was unfairly treated many times and how people didn't think about her feelings. And I never really thought of that. And I think a lot of people don't think of that. And then since it's I spoke very with, real. Yeah. And since I spoke with her, I've heard that from other people. And I think, though, that it is great. And I think probably the successful people and the people like you in this world, you know, know that that goes down and you and you have to take that into consideration because there is like a power dynamic if you're the two you know that person could be the odd person out and you guys are really tending to your own relationship but then this person is like entering in and who's taking care of her she doesn't have that other person and I've been on both sides of that equation right um and it feels really bad when you're the person when you're the person who's not getting the attention or care that you need. Yeah, that can feel very bad. And when you bring it to the couple and say, Hey, listen, this feels really bad. Sometimes they are just so unaware of the privilege they hold as a couple. Yeah. Um, and, and ultimately, that can feel I, I mean, there's been times when that's happened to me that I just felt emotionally demolished. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's very real. And I think that's part of the reason as a couple, Paul and I very much try to deconstruct some of that, especially after my last experience where I explained to him, like, these were the points that felt so hard for me that I never want to put someone else in this position. It's imperative that we don't function in this way to put people in that position. Because you were involved with a different, with a couple. Is that, that, is yeah. that what happened? Within our quad, I was more romantically involved with the couple. Mm -hmm. um, and he was more sexually involved with the woman of that couple. Um, and, and the power dynamics didn't always break in my favor. And it wasn't because, in my opinion, it wasn't because they were trying to be assholes. Yeah. It, it was because they were trying simultaneously to engage in a relationship with a person, that person being me. Yeah while trying to deconstruct all of the elements of monogamy that were ingrained to their relationship. And I, I believe that sometimes they treated me from a, a monogamous uh, mindset or perspective um, because that comes naturally to us. We're very conditioned to do that. Yeah. Um, but it can, but it can be very harmful in, in these types of situations. I also want to say, I don't know that I fully understood that, when I was ready to date outside of that setup, I don't know if I handled it with the care 
that it deserved. And so that was also a big fail. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely think probably a lot of couples going in that are looking for like the quote unquote unicorn and looking to set that kind of thing up. They don't think about it. Like you said, it's not an intentional kind of like, let's treat this person like shit. We don't care about her. It's kind of like they're so focused on keeping their relationship together because they're so worried what could happen when you bring a third person in. It kind of makes sense, right? They're just like focused over there that they don't take that other person to consideration. But I think it's important for people to talk about it and know that that is going on. Because I think for a lot of people, they don't even they don't even think that far into it because they're thinking yeah. so much, let's keep our relationship together 100%. I think the distinction for Paul and I, and like we've talked about this at length, is like you hear a lot about unicorn hunters and people looking yeah. for a third, for like, like a couple looking for another woman yeah. and like how that satisfies a lot of points. And like Paul and I have never looked for another woman. We've yeah. found them a lot for whatever reason, but yeah. we've never looked. Yeah. And it's very like, it's, it, it's strange to us that that happens or that it occurs. That that's what people are looking for. Um, and we often wonder why is it this keeps coming up for us, even though we're not intentionally looking for it. It's it's kind and of a head scratcher for me. <laughs> I'm and not entirely sure. I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's because we're not putting out that that energy, right? Um, or if it's just because maybe we're cool and and people feel very like safe with us to say what they need to say. I, I, I don't know. I can't exactly put my finger on it, but it's, it's very interesting to me um, because I know that there's a lot of people out there looking for that and not finding it. And I'm never looking for it. And it's always here. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> where do you meet all these people? I mean, are, are you on a website? Are you someplace where people find, you know, where it's like like-minded people. So, you know, everyone knows going in that this is the stuff that could happen or like this college guy, CJ, like where the fuck did you meet him? it's a complicated story um i i know cj from just real life um i met him a couple of years ago and we had an immediate attraction to one another and 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 almost almost avoided this um but as it turned out we did not um and i kind of i i became a little more pursuant of him and like late September. Mm -hmm. um, and as we started talking, he was like, are you polyamorous? And I was like, yeah, I am. And he's like, I, I kind of had this like triad a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh. like you're not monogamous. This is so much easier. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just kind of knew him from life. I feel like you kind of develop a radar. Yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. non-monogamous people in your space. I, I, I have met people in a variety of ways. I mean, yeah. Field is a great app, but also kind of weird. Um, I've I've met more than I've met more than three people in real life just from being like, "Hey, want to fuck? Want to do the thing?" I I got the signal from you. Are we on the same wavelength? Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll be honest, Instagram is a great way to meet people for whatever reason. Um, I've also I've also met people through Instagram. Paul's met people through he met Rosie on Instagram. Right. Um, which is just such a strange thing. But I guess the algorithm and the things that you follow, it brings you closer in proximity to like minded people. Um, so I think it just kind of depends. I don't, I don't think you can depend on one source uh, for meeting people in a polyamorous space or even a non monogamous space. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, a bit of a variety there for us. Um, 
Yeah. So now your husband with that, so you play separately. You still play together. What is your, is your husband queer at all or what would be the right word? Not at bi? all. This okay. poor guy is just a cis straight man. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it, it's, it, it's been an interesting journey for him as a result of that. Sometimes he's like, I just, if I could just be bi, wouldn't this just be so much easier? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, so funny, but he's just not down. I mean, and he does. Yeah, he's just straight. <laughs> but do you, does he like with the, cause you said like, do you peg him? Is he into anal play? Like you say you have all these. He is not right. like, so I'm a gentle femdom and like pegging is like my dream and <laughs> he's not into that. Um, so I've had to find other partners for that. Um, which is fine. I mean, that's right. what makes polyamory great is, you know, and it's so funny because he's a dominant um, but he's very, like, has this vision in his head of finding this switchy or dominant woman of his dreams, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm a dominant, but yeah. my style of doming does not appeal to him at all. <laughs> you mean the bratty dom thing? Is that, or no, that's your submissive side. Yeah, what is your, what's your dom side that he's not, like, what kind of dom are you? So I'm a gentle femdom. Right. Um. And I think a lot of people are less familiar with gentle femdom. So it's yeah, I don't know I what always, the fuck that is. What is it? What I love to talk about it. Yeah. So I, I'm a nice dom. I'm, I'm like a mommy dom. I'm, I'm the, I'm the dom who wants to like tie you up and like tell you how great you are, like say all this nice shit to you. And then like, just take you to this like headspace, but in like a very nice, soft domineering way yeah um that was like mary so, sparkle tits do you know her too she's in that world no, oh you should yeah you should find her i should know yeah her. you're very oh. like-minded and she's like she didn't put this word to it but she i think she's a nice dom too <laughs> so anyway. part of my I, one thing i always say is like my gentle feminine side is my one of my softest most romantic and vulnerable sides um I, I'll say this, it, it has happened to me not infrequently that men like to bring their vulnerable side to that, to my gentle femdom side, which sometimes just results in a guy crying in my lap while I stroke wow. his hair, which to me is like, oh God, it's fucking everything. Like, I don't even know how to quantify it for me as a person, but I love being in that space. Right. I love taking someone to a place where they feel like they can be as emotional and vulnerable as they want to be. Mm -hmm. And to have the privilege of seeing a man in that space is just phenomenal to me. Wow, that's interesting. I wonder the psychology behind that, because here you are sort of pushing them, but being very nurturing at the same time. You know, I mean, I feel like, uh, like psychologically, like you could teach a class of taking that like out of, you know, being sexual, uh, you know, and maybe like teaching a, just a regular woman how to do that with her husband so he can open up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what part of that is working, you know? That is part of the, like, that's part of what this BDSM space has given me. It's yeah. really, it creates containers Mm -hmm. for you to experience things that you that you are interested in right so for me that could be um i'm very interested in in seeing men more vulnerably let's just yeah. take that as a concept yeah. gentle femdom creates a container to do that mm -hmm. so that i can say oh i can do this here and then i can take that into my real life 
And even though I'm not a gentle send them to my husband, when yeah. he has something vulnerable to say, I know how to relate to that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you know how or yeah. or you know how to pull it out or give him that space or create that space that he feels comfortable enough to do it. And I think I that that's a hard <laughs> that's a hard one to do with guys, it's hard. right? Yeah. And yes, because we're conditioned to not see to not want to see men in that way. Right. And it's not that I don't do other things either. I mean, like, yeah. hey, listen, I'll, I'll control your orgasm. You know, I'll, I'll handcuff you. I'll, I'll spank you. Yeah. I'll do all kinds of things. But, but also, oh, I want to say this because gentle femdom is like the most unexpected, um, beautiful place for me. So one of the things that, that CJ and I do a lot, part of our emerging kink relationship is that he does things for me like he washes my face or washes my hair or if I need to go somewhere around my house and I don't want to walk there he'll carry me so it's like (laughs) this very care-based um dynamic that's emerging between us and it's really interesting he's also very switchy though so sometimes he he turns on me a little bit. <laughs> what are you with women? I, like, are you a gentle femdom with women? Or are you a submissive? I tend to be a little more. So what's interesting is I am extreme. I, I'm femme. I'm yeah. very femme. Yeah. I would be like in the world, a lipstick lesbian. Yeah. Um, but when I'm with women, I, I have a masculine soul. <laughs> uh huh. Interesting. So, um, I present very femme, but in bed, I like to take a little more control with women, mm-hmm. um, and sort of be on top. I'll fuck them with my strap on. I've never had a necessarily kink dynamic with a woman. Uh-huh. I have done side by side by side. So, um, for example, my girlfriend and I were both like in a baby girl daddy dynamic with her husband uh-huh. um was so i uh no oh, this okay, was josie josie, okay. and, josie and tyler yeah so he was like a daddy dom and we were both like in like a baby girl position with him um so we would like sub side by side so we had a relational kink relationship mm-hmm. but when it was just the two of us together um we weren't particularly kinky with one another right so let me ask you this, because are you, do, do you do this now? Do you teach other people? Do you, you know, what's your deal? Most of, so most of what I do um, on like the Instagram space, which is more educational, I suppose, but not intentionally. My Instagram is kind of me talking to me. <laughs> right. Like your diary. Um, it's like a diary. Like what we used to a have. A little bit. Yeah. I, I make material that I think comes off as educational to other people yeah um but I'm not doing it in a pretentious way I do plan to kind of add some seminars and things like that in in the coming year Uh mostly having to do with concepts of coming out or being out or how to open a previously monogamous relationship things like that right um but mostly I just put out what I'm learning about myself and it seems to resonate um, with people quite a lot. Um, and I talk, I, I probably talk most in the polyamorous space and then I talk in a kinky space and probably lastly I talk in the queer space. I, I think I'm less enfranchised in my queerness uh-huh. than any of these other identities. Um, more so because it's the newest one for yeah. me. I, I've known my whole life that I was, 
probably not straight. But growing up, my mom, despite her very liberal views, held a bias against bisexuality and Mm non-monogamy. So I kind of stuffed down my queerness for a really long time um, until it just became untenable for me. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I I talk about all of those things. I, I tend to be very conversational and down to earth. My mission in what I do, the reason that I started my Instagram account in the first place was that I just felt like I was going to explode. I am a writer. I've been a working writer for more than a decade. Um, Right. And we'll get into that too. What do you write? Like, I mean, does it have anything to do with this or is that just what you do? Now it does. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But um, I started off in in newspaper and journalism, Uh um, which I hated. And then came into the PR world, which I liked and yeah. was better at. And I, but I've always seen myself as, you know, my PR stuff supports me in that I am my own benefactor so that I can do the art that I want to do. During lockdown, I wrote a book of poetry called yeah. 24 Hours that I hope someday I'll publish. Who knows? Um, but the, the guiding mission of all of this for me is to help normalize the diversity of, of, of sexual and love experiences that people are having. Yeah. Um, my, my mission statement is very simple. It is, you deserve to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever that is for you, however your sexuality or your love presents itself, you deserve it. There's, there's nothing you need to do to be worthy of simply being yourself. Right. Yeah, I think that's great because I have to tell you, like, I'm way older than you and a lot of people and friends that I have, um, you know, will, you know, they sit around and they're like, oh, my God, this younger generation. I know that you're like, say you're 37, but like, let's pretend you're 26, like you say. But, you know, it's like the younger generation, they have a lot of labels. You know, you threw out so many different like words here that people are going to be hearing for the first time. And there's like a lot of different kinds of relationships, quads and triads and all this stuff. But what I find and what I try to explain to my friends when they're like, what, why the fuck do they have to have so many labels and stuff? But I'm just like, oh my God, think about when we were younger and we were doing all this kinds of crazy stuff. And because there were only two boxes where you could live in and it was like, you're either monogamous and married or, you know, straight and single. And maybe you were gay and that was a fucking secret. Like those were the pl- places that existed. And if you didn't fall into there, what were you? You were like considered like a fucking mess. Like if you were a person like you back mm-hmm. when I was was living you know when I grew up and you had a long distance relationship and you were dating a guy and you were like maybe queer like people would think you were just like fucked up and dysfunctional and I think a lot of people had these desires and capabilities to have these kinds of relationships back when I was growing up but you know they didn't because there were no labels and there was no place you couldn't be anything but those three things like you just felt abnormal and it was considered dysfunctional and I feel like that's what's so great about all these different terms and all these different words and all the people like you coming out and speaking on it and talking about it because it helps people that don't fit into those those very traditional boxes and don't fall into those norms 
feel like, okay, this is okay. Like I could do this and I, and this is like, this has a place and this is okay. And it could be something positive, not something. Cause I think we were, we were doing stuff like that when we were younger, but it was looked at as like just crazy. And like I said, dysfunctional and it's, it Absolutely. doesn't have to be, you know? So I, th- I think it's fantastic. These new labels. I think it's great that people are able, we finally live in a society where people could come out and do it. And when I find somebody like you who's so well-spoken and you really look at every little thing and you remember, because like I said, a lot of times people tell their story and they just paint over things and that's just like the normal way to do things. But then the people like you, because you're a writer maybe, you know, you really remember all the steps and everything that's going on and you really paint a very realistic picture. I think that's really important and like voices like yours are really great out there to help people so that they don't have to, you know, we're never going back to what it was. I think it's great that we move forward and where we are now. And I think just more of this is fantastic and helps people. Why don't you give shout outs to all of your stuff? Like where do people find you online? Do you still have that Reddit Reddit brat guide? I don't know. I do. I do. My my Reddit, you can find through my link tree. Um, okay. My my Instagram handle is Annie underscore undone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put a link a to pa- that. I'll put a link to that in the Perfect. description. Yeah. That's mostly where I function. I do have a Patreon account, um, which you can subscribe to for $5 a month. That gets you on my close friends list mm-hmm. um, where I, I talk about on my close friends list the nuts and bolts of how we're doing relationships. Mm-hmm. I talked most recently about, uh, you know, some jealousy that Paul has. Um, I talk about the nature of our relationships. If if some if we have a a fight, a disagreement, or whatever, um, I share some sexy photos on there. So if Paul um, is doing some ropes work with me. I usually share pictures on there. I talk about CJ. I did a whole thing about sucking dick on there the other day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. Because that's the whole thing. So that's where I talk about the nuts and bolts of the relationship. So yeah, right now, mostly I'm, I'm, I'm on Instagram, um, doing my thing on there. And then you can subscribe to the Patreon if you want to support my work. Um, and and see a little bit more about my relationships as well. And your link tree, so for people to find that link tree to get all your links, right, to find the Reddit and stuff, yeah. they just go to your Instagram, which is Annie underscore undone. There'll be a link in the description. And then when, you know, if they want to go further and, you know, find your Patreon and all that kind of stuff, they just go onto your link tree, which is in your bio in your Instagram, yep. and then they could find yep. that. Yep, it's it's right there. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Now, listen, I, you know, everyone's anonymous on my show. People are gonna be able to find you on there. But like, do you have any anonymous pics you could send me for my Patreon? Because I do that for my Patreon members. Absolutely. I have pictures. I will send them to you. Okay, great. <laughs> so if people want to see that, you could go there. I will as well on my Patreon promote your stuff. Thank you so much for coming in. You were wonderful. Thank you so much, Kathy. I really appreciate this. This was awesome. Okay, great. Tell, let me know have what you day. think after you listen to it. Okay, bye. I absolutely will. All right, cool. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. 
If you want to follow the show, follow me at Strict Anonymous on Instagram or Twitter. That's at Strict Anonymous. If you are on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. I love YouTube as a platform for my show because people comment there and I try to reply back to every single person who posts a comment. So even if you're not listening on YouTube and you want to talk about the show, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, like, and share my videos. It's Strictly Anonymous Podcast. If you want to sign up for my Patreon, on my Patreon, you are not only supporting my show, but you will get these episodes early, ad-free, and you get to see anonymous pics of my guests. Most of the girls send in anonymous pics and some of the guys send in anonymous pics. So if you want to see anonymous pics of my guests as well as support my show and get these episodes early and ad-free, sign up for my Patreon, patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. That's patreon.com slash strictly anonymous podcast. The link is also in the description below. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.